Welcome back to another episode of Disciplology, a podcast where we talk about all things discipleship. Today, guys, I have got a special guest. Uh, it's one of my dearest friends. Uh, Curtis Zachary is with us here today. Guys, it, it feels a little bit like we have been forced into some rest, a season of rest. But I, I think we're going to argue that uh, rest is so much more than just napping all day long. So first, CZ, will you define for us just what is rest? What is biblical rest? Yeah, I think rest immediately evokes a response from every person who hears that word immediately. And respective to where you are in your season of life and what life looks like currently, it may evoke different things. If you have little kids like I do, maybe it's physical rest that you're craving. Uh, maybe when you hear the word rest, the words anxiety and stress rise to the top because emotionally you're in a place where you're unsettled. Uh, maybe because of the rigors of life and uh, needs that need to be met. You've, you need a vocational rest, like just an actual stopping in your motion. Uh, but I think biblical rest is a rest that is uh, a message that is woven throughout the narrative of Scripture. I believe from Genesis to Revelation, there is one idea of rest that is established, and it's a rest that satisfies a soulish longing. It's this rest that we were built to long for and can only be found in God alone. So you talk a lot about rhythms set up in your life. What kind of rhythms are needed in order to obtain this type of rest? Well, I think the most important rhythm is uh, the rhythm of self-awareness and self-assessment. I think we need to understand where we are right now and have a full picture of uh, what we would maybe even articulate as a deficiency within us mm. in order to crave or long for the fulfillment of it. Um, you know, one of the most important things that we can do is to take the time to stop from the motion and the inertia and the force of life in order to recognize what's going on in me. And yes, physically, emotionally, spiritually, where am I right now? And I think from that place, then know the next right steps in order to establish additional rhythms that will replace or invite the nourishment that we need in order to find that rest. So in your book, Soul Rest, you talk a lot about uh, what got you to this moment of needing rest. Fill us in a little bit on like, at what point do we just break down and, and rest? Yeah, I think everybody's story is different. Everybody has uh, a journey that brings them to a place of reckoning. Uh, for me, just very quickly, uh, I realized in my life I was doing a lot of work for God, but mm -hmm. I really wasn't doing that work with God. Mm -hmm. I was able to perform and function in roles of ministry, and I genuinely believed the things that I was talking about, but I wasn't sustaining and living from a place of connectedness to those ideas that I was talking about. It wasn't a, uh, an intentional hypocrisy. But at the same time, it was almost like I stumbled into it just out of the, the rhythm of my life. Uh, we experienced loss through miscarriage, and that led to a place where grief and disappointment rubbed up against this place of trying to figure out my identity, uh, connected to ministry, really introduced some questions for God that I didn't feel like had easy uh, or softball answers. And then in the midst of all of that, uh, community uh, was a deficiency <laughs> for us. I would uh, seldom times 
feel this permission to share what I was feeling or what I was experiencing. And then in doing that, uh, the people I was talking to would say something to the effect of, well, you're the one we would normally talk to about these things. So uh, we'll just give you space. And so for me, it was the convergence of those three things that brought the awareness that something needed to change. Like there was no way I could, could sustain moving forward. And I give that as a backstory because I recognize that it's probably not everyone's story. But at the same time, I do think we reach a place where we understand that what we see forward on the horizon just does not feel sustainable, healthy, um, and usually will respond in one of two ways. Uh, we'll either put our heads down and continue to push forward because we think things like, well, my life is meant to be lived for God. I'm supposed to spend myself for him. And so whatever happens with me is irrelevant. If I end up crumpled in a ball in a corner, well, that's just the plight for my life. Or uh, we will uh, withdraw completely from the idea of stewarding this call and this impetus to serve God. And we'll just kind of tap out and say, you know what, maybe this isn't meant for me. And I really believe that God is calling for us to live in that tension, to, to really recognize there are things that we are to steward. Our lives are spent for him. But at the same time, we need to realize what sustains that call. Yeah. So I, I feel like it's important for us to recognize that when we're living our lives in a way that we hope to glorify God with who we are and what we do, we need to understand that it's not just God leaving us to our best hopes that we'll make it through, but he actually provides what he requires in order for us to serve him well here on earth. And that realization began to change things for me because I knew that what life looked like during that time of deficiency wasn't what God intended. Now, the difficulty was I didn't know how to get there or what that looked like right away, but I knew there was more. I knew there was a hope that maybe I could experience some refreshment that had less to do with my output and more to do with my connection with him. Talk to us about what that looks like practically, like what steps. So when you find yourself at that point where it's like, man, I've hit a wall and I'm either going to try to crash my way through it or I'm going to sit down and, and probably just cry and just call it a day. Uh, what do we do practically? Ideally, I'd love for us to catch listeners or viewers before they hit that point. Yeah. So what does it look like to prepare rhythms today and to continue to walk in those practically both before we hit that point and during that kind of reckoning moment? I think one of the most important things, I've said it already, and I'll probably continue to say it through our conversation, is the need for self-assessment. Mm -hmm. We're just so conditioned to think solely about output. What are we producing in our lives? Who are we to the world? And even when, it think, when we think about God and uh, what it means to be a representative of his kingdom, everything is inherently and culturally connective to uh, just simply disconnected from my own experience and what the outcomes look like. And so uh, one thing that comes to mind when you were asking that question is a quote from a man named Soren Kierkegaard. And he said, it is absolutely unethical when one becomes so busy communicating that he forgets to be what he teaches. Wow. And I think that applies to those who are in ministry, leadership, whatever, but also 
everyone, <laughs> because we can become conditioned to accepting these truths that are true about God and yet disconnect our experience from them. Yeah. So, uh, like you were just saying, to stave off this experience for you, to not reach a place of burnout, to not reach a place of disillusionment and frustration, we need to continually assess the condition of what's happening. I remember reading a quote saying, uh, the soul is a stream and we are its keeper. We're not the ones that are making the water move, but it's our job to stand on the shore and see if there's trash floating through and we got to pluck it out. And I think that starts our journey toward being able to figure out how can I live sustainably for God? Another big question for me, and, and Andrew knows this well, is that I often uh, dig into the why behind the what. It's really important. And I think for many of us who are followers of the way of Jesus, to be honest, we're very good at the what's when it comes to the responsibility of even living a discipleship type of life. Uh, reading our Bible, praying, meditation, all these things that we understand are inherently important. Not many of us spend a lot of time thinking why it's important. And I think that why being a connection and uh, a deepening relationship with the Lord begins to bring calibration and alignment. And I know it seems super oversimplistic. It's not crazy profound, but I really believe that those are the two things that get us to a place where we establish a rhythm that staves off some of those burnout places. Yeah. The uh, rhythm of having a Sabbath, a weekly Sabbath. I know when I was full-time on church staff, that is actually something that I found hard to, to, to keep. You know, because you work on Sunday, and a lot of people, the Sabbath is on Sunday. And Saturday, you're thinking about Sunday. And yeah. Monday, you're trying to come off of Sunday. So talk a little bit about, I know you've kind of transitioned away from being full-time on a church staff. Does the rhythm of Sabbath and taking that, intentional rest. Has that changed for you? Does that look different now? Well, I think the change actually happened when I was still spending the same amount of time in a church staff role, because uh, it goes back to the why question. Uh, the Sabbath for many of us, when we see the command in uh, Exodus 20, verse eight, number four on the list of the 10 says to honor the Sabbath and keep it holy. Six days you shall labor on the seventh day you should do no work. No one in your house, right? And I think when we see that we're to keep the Sabbath holy, culturally, we've established this belief that our inactivity is what makes the day holy. So the less we can do, the more holy we're keeping that day. But I think it's important for us to go back to the origination of the idea of the Sabbath. And it actually starts way back in Genesis chapter two, where we see the first mention of rest in the Bible. God created everything. And on the seventh day, it says in Genesis chapter two, verses two through three, three times in two verses that God rested from the work that he had done. Now, if you study the Bible, I'm not a Bible scholar, but I do know that when you see something repeated multiple times in short order, you got to pay attention. Three times in two verses, he rested from the work that he had done. So that's an interesting statement for me because it begs a question. Why would God have to rest? <laughs> we keep reading the Bible. We see that he's omniscient. He's omnipotent. He's omnipresent. If that's true, he's not going to get physically tired. So if he's not physically tired, what would be the purpose of God resting? And in Exodus 31, 17, 
says that it's a sign forever between me and the people of Israel, that for six days you shall labor, and on the seventh day God rested and was refreshed. So not only did God think it was significant for him to rest, but he got something out of it himself. God, what could be so refreshing that would be refreshing to God? Well, he stopped his work that he had done. And I think this is the key when we start thinking about Sabbath. It is a work that can only be done by the hand of God alone. That is a significant statement. So when he looks back at his finished work, he is saying it is good. It is finished. It is enough. And it's a work that's done by his hand. So fast forwarding when he says, all right, all you human beings, I want you to Sabbath too. What would be the point for us in practicing that Sabbath? It wasn't this rule he was establishing to see who could be the most spiritual. It was for them to be able to get the same thing out of it that he got. Refreshment. Well, what would be so refreshing to a human on stop, stopping on that Sabbath day? Well, it's to remember the work that could only be done by the hand of God alone. He says for six days we should labor. So there is work. But on those six days, we're doing work that we can do with our hands. And in that work, we produce for ourselves. We earn for ourselves. We make identity for ourselves. On that seventh day, we stop doing the work that we can do with our hands to remember the work that only he can do with his hands. So... When you're asking, what does that look like in the rigors of ministry? Uh, my wife and I decided, man, our job is on Sunday to work. But from Friday night to Saturday night, we practice the Sabbath. And so the prescriptive idea of Sabbath for many of us goes back to what I was saying earlier. How do I keep the rules? How do I make it uh, more spiritual? When really the, the point is not for me to be a better Christian. He's not testing me with the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments are actually ten pathways of communion with Him. So the Sabbath is a gift. It's not a rule that I need to follow. It's actually an opportunity for me to find this true depth of connection, remembering who He is. So if we can get that perspective shift, we then fight for this thing that has been mandated before. So I think what I'm thinking as you're talking about this is all the ways our culture prescribes rest that don't fall into this idea of Sabbath, this idea of keeping this day holy. So I think about the whole like self-care movement where it's like, do what you want to do and, you know, get away from all the things of this world and, you know, walk the walk that you want to walk for the day. So talk to us about some ways that aren't keeping the Sabbath holy, but uh, a lot of people maybe have that misconception. Yeah, so it's hard to be prescriptive in any fashion when it comes to things like this, because yeah. again, it goes back to the why. Um, you know, I think self-care is really important. Yeah, I, I think self-care is something that uh, allows for us to experience uh, elements of refreshment, renewal, invigoration. Um, self-care is important to me. I love to run. Yeah. That's something that is 100% an element of self-care for my life. I experience uh, connection with God. I feel the invigoration of my body being, you know, stimulated with exercise and all this. It's just, it's a good thing. But the distinction becomes self-care and the administration of it in my own strength to accomplish the rest that I'm looking for versus allowing self-care to be another pathway 
for God to do the work that only he can do in our lives. I remember reading a quote from uh, Parker Palmer, and he said that self-care is never a selfish act. It's simply good stewardship of the only gift that we've been given. It's the gift of ourselves to the world. And so it's important to have self-care. It's important for you to take time for yourself, to pay attention to restorative elements. What do you enjoy? Those are gifts from God, and they add something to our lives. I think where we get off sometimes is when we think that the self-administration of what we think we need in order to find the rest doesn't really lead to the rest that our souls are longing for. And that's why when Andrew asked earlier, what's the distinction between biblical rest and the rest that we're really kind of leaning into? I think it's that because a surface rest can be managed by surface ideas, yeah. but a soulish rest can only be filled by someone that is eternal. It's a good word. And that is why I love you. Right? <laughs> um. <laughs> I don't know that I've ever had a conversation with you when you have not quoted Kierkegaard to me. So I appreciate that. Well, there are many that uh, bring calibration into my life. Yes, we'll say yes. that. <laughs> um, so as we bring this all back to discipleship of us becoming more like Jesus every single day, rest is part of this, right? And so implementing rest into our daily uh, walk is a necessity. Yes. Agreed. <laughs> All right. There's not much more needed to say yeah. on that. <laughs> Stay up on that. Good. Good. CZ, thank you so much for hanging out with us for a little bit. Always so much fun to talk with you. To you, the listener, or maybe the watcher on Facebook or YouTube, if y'all go ahead and click that subscribe button. Uh, if you have questions or comments, we'd love to hear from you. Discipleology at lifeway.com. And we will talk with you soon. Mary and Chris, always a pleasure. We'll see you guys next week.